Welcome to the Lawyer Life Podcast, where the personal, professional, and political intersect. Each week, we discuss a topic to help ourselves and other lawyers navigate our days with a little less stress and ideally a lot more fulfillment. On today's episode, we talk caring. We're asking ourselves, is caring an asset or a liability when practicing law? I'm Mike Anderson. And I'm Darlene Tonelli. Hello, Darlene. Hi. Hello. Good way to explain the topic. You're too you're too complimentary. It's so lawyerly though. Really? Is it an asset or a liability? Get, I don't get that very often. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I didn't see it coming. I, I was genuinely uh pleased to see the intro. Anyway, that's awesome. Wow. Good morning. Oh my goodness. What great feedback you're providing. Just kicking off Friday morning with a nice bunch of compliments. Just boosting energy. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I need it. I had, I've already had an interesting Friday morning. We had uh, an electrician come by our house because I was worried I found an, an issue with our, whatever you call it, wiring. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I am good at installing light fixtures and fans, I have learned. And I went to do that uh, in a place and then I encountered a potential issue. So we had this guy come in. He's great. We've dealt with him before. Uh, and he's like, no, you guys are good. And then he's like suggested a couple things for me to do. He's like, anything else, you know, like everything else is going okay in your house. And I was like, actually, there's this one thing, like our light outside isn't working. And he spent like 15 minutes with me trying to figure out the problem, found an easy fix. He's like, okay, great. I'll see you later. And it was a wonderful interaction. Refused any payment because it, 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 there was no problem in his view. And, uh, and now my house is in better order and my mind is at ease because I, I don't, I now know that there's no issues. Wow. Well, that's nice. Mm. And probably you'll refer yeah. that electrician to everyone who ever mentions electricity in your presence. Which we, because we've dealt with him before and he was so great um, that we actually have referred him multiple times to to some friends. So yeah. I often think about uh, what the services we provide, like the, similar to when we pull, like when you take your car to the garage. Like that's how I feel what, uh, in some ways when people come to a lawyer because you put so much, you don't know, like, I don't know, I'm not an electrician, I'm not a uh, auto mechanic, but I need their services sometimes. And it's normally when I'm just completely in the dark, I have no idea what the problem is, or if there is a problem. And then you kind of just put it in the hands of these people and their expertise. Uh, and I feel like that's oftentimes what happens with us. So funny you mentioned auto mechanic, because I have as a as a woman who takes the car into the auto mechanic, I've always had a fear, and I don't know if this is actually true, but the fear is that they think you don't know anything about cars. And I think this is like a dated fear. This is probably something my dad taught me. And um, you, you just worry because there was a time when men knew about cars and women did not know about cars. And I feel like now nobody knows about cars. But anyway, this may be a dated thing. But when I go in, I still have this fear that I'm going to be sold things that I don't need and I'm going to buy them due to some early experiences where I did that. And I've used humor over the years just to say, like, do I really need that? Like, let's let's be candid. And I've built relationships now with the people that I take the car to. And now I trust them, you know, and it's built on years of them not selling me things I don't need and doing little things from time to time that just need to be done. And that's just so important. And feeling like they aren't trying to prioritize their 
immediate business interests over a long-term relationship. And probably over time, it's been a lot more valuable to them, right? Because I keep going back because I'm like, I trust them. I don't need to have yeah. this, you know, amorphous fear that someone's going to try to sell me things. It's good. Yeah. And I think it comes down, it, it builds well into our topic today because ultimately I, I, I left that interaction this morning thinking like, oh, this guy cared about the problems we were having. And just mm -hmm. was more focused on solving those things and making sure that, you know, we were safe and we had an uh, outdoor patio light that worked. <laughs> right. Um, and and that, those are his priorities. He easily could have bogged us down and, well, you should do this and do that and the other thing and I'll be here for a week and whatever. Um, and didn't do that. And because it seemed like he was a person who just uh, cared about fixing the problem for us. Well, and it's a... It's a positive exercise of power, right? Because you have no idea what you need, no. right? But no yet, if someone sells you a bill of goods, like you, the truth eventually comes out. As a good friend of mine says, it shall be revealed, <laughs> which I think is so wise. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, this you'll you find out if someone has kind of exploited goodwill because you don't know anything about what the what needs to happen, and it doesn't. It's not good. It's not good for anybody, right? And they don't right. probably even feel good doing that, I would hope. So anyway, let's, yeah, let's talk caring. I'm excited about that. Uh, and this topic came to us. We had a great lunch with a with a, another lawyer, uh, a friend of mine, uh, and he was talking about how much he employs uh, the practice of caring in in his practice. And that kind of led me to think about, you know, what 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 are the advantages to that? What are the potential disadvantages? How do how do I do that? Uh, on a daily basis. And I think it's a worthwhile topic because it, it can be a bit of a secret sauce, I think, uh, for a, a lawyer that stands above others. Uh, you know, if you do have the same intellect and the same ability to rationalize a problem and, and give advice, the lawyer that has that element of caring, I feel, will in the end do better for their clients uh, and get a better result. I think so, with with some asterisks, as always. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so how do you, what's your approach? Or do you, where do you think you fall on the caring spectrum? I just made that up, caring spectrum. The caring, where are you? Where? What would be the opposite, I guess, ambivalence? What is, where, where caring is on one side? Anyway, um, I think it helps that mainly I advise on what is it? Products, programs, you know, people that are doing things that I genuinely uh, have a passion for. Like, it's very exciting to me, especially coming from television and media to be still working in that world, albeit in, in a different capacity. I still have the same passion for the product that they're creating uh, that I would have if I was uh, still a segment producer. So uh, I think that just j leads me to care genuinely. And then as well, for some of our clients who are starting up, um, you know, uh, new tech companies or tech products, that level of creativity mixed with process and building a thing, uh, I, I generally uh, just uh, am very interested as well. So I think that lends to me just by default caring because I'm very, very interested. Um, and then there's some people too that, that that get you there as well. I think that's uh, it's an interesting point. And because the nature of our work is often dealing with you know a lot of repeat transactions with the same clients, um, you do get a sense of what the person, so you're dealing with the paper mm -hmm. and the legal issue and stuff, but you also get a, a sense of, um, you know, what are the pressures that person's under? What are the, we typically ask our clients, like, what, what are your business goals for the next year? What are you up against? What are we trying to help you achieve here? Um, and so it's, 
you understand where they're coming from. Usually you know what's going on, or I normally know what's going on in their um, family, you know, uh, to some extent. And you become, it is a relationship. So there's, mm-hmm. there's going to be caring if you build that, I think. How do you employ caring in your practice? Or where are you on this magical caring spectrum that we've what we've created? Yes, this caring spectrum. Um, it's interesting because I would say that I've had points where uh, in my early career, particularly in-house, um, like full-time in-house with one client, I would say I cared too much um, sometimes and didn't give people enough room to just, you know, make their own decisions and fall if they were going to fall sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and on non-legal issues, I mean, obviously it would be your job on a legal issue to, to make sure that didn't happen, but there, there is a mix of, of content that comes to the, the uh, legal department in a big company and some of it's legal and some of it is absolutely not. And I, I think that for me, I would sometimes get overly wrapped up in trying to make sure that something had a good <clears throat> outcome and um, I think I don't do that as much anymore. I mean, the business model at Interalia is it keeps us more objective because we work with more than one client uh, by design. And I think that's been very helpful because it allows you to care but not be embroiled, which I think is different. And I think it can be very challenging to not get embroiled when you're in full-time in-house. Um, and I would also say that what I've realized is about the caring thing is that I have to care, but you, it is the lawyer's job to maintain a level of objectivity that kind of separates it from that. So you care and you, you demonstrate your caring by, you know, taking care of the legal issue (laughs) Um, and being sensitive to what's going on with the person who's bringing you the legal issue and trying to, the way it shows up for me, I think, is I just... I try to frame things in a way that I know will like do things like minimize stress for the client, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or, or say, okay, well, here are some possible outcomes. And, you know, I think the worst case is there, but it's probably unlikely. So, and I, I try to give them just uh, a sense of what we're dealing with. I think the unknown is scary for everybody. So just being aware of what the client might, or trying to think through, like, what would I feel if I was in the client's shoes right now? Um, and what would I want to hear? I try to do that where possible. And then I also try to not let them, like, I never just, you know, when they're telling me their feelings about something, I never just say, hmm, anyway, back to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know. You just start so, going. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm, yeah, enough of that. But as we were talking at that lunch, like there was definitely a sense that in some areas of law more than others, certainly family employment, uh, maybe even wills and estates, um, you know, you're dealing with very personal issues for clients. And so much of it becomes like becoming almost like a counselor um, to mm-hmm. clients. So yeah, that's a, a big part of what we do. They don't teach that in law school either. Yeah, we need to have a caring class. Uh, <laughs> I think no matter really the scenario, there, there there's a few things you raised there that interest me. Um, the Oftentimes, someone's encountering an issue they've never encountered before. And this could be a business deal gone sideways, or it could be I was fired from my job, or it could be a number of things. The I think one of the very helpful things that a lawyer can do up front, which is what you've talked about, is to say, hey, you know, okay, so... I know this is very you know difficult, blah blah blah. You do that, but then the 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 really substance is here's how this thing works. Here's what you can expect to 
it, what it would look like to go through, you know, a quote unquote contract dispute, or this is how, you know, the process of negotiating with your former employer normally goes. And this is, you know, the timelines and the mm -hmm. stressors and the work you have to do and the work I have to do and, and the likely outcome like that. I know it's similar to pulling your car in the garage when, you know, it just stopped on the highway. You have no idea what the problem is. And the uncertainty often is the thing that can be the toughest. Uh, and so I think that employing the lens of like, okay, what is this person feeling and experiencing right now and caring for them in the way of just lay, showing them the lay, the lay land can be very useful um, for an individual that is in the dark in a lot of instances. And that's also the nice part. Like that's where I feel the most happy mm -hmm. about what I do is sort of translating what I know into plain language and in a way that the client can feel comfort. I mean, that that is a big piece of what we do. But you were also um, motivated to talk about caring by that AI um, in medicine piece. Do you want to? Yeah, yeah. So I was listening to a podcast, um, which I'll put in notes. And basically, um, part of the conversation uh, that, that fascinated me about caring was uh, the host, uh, Dax Shepard, who's an uh, actor, comedian said that so he was having problems with his feet he was having problems with his joints and he was going to different doctors for different things um and had mentioned to i think it was a dermatologist friend or something that he was having these issues just because they're having a casual conversation and that actually led to the dermatologist being like i think you have uh you know an autoimmune disease potential and that led to a diagnosis that this man was searching for for years point being um the doctor that just chatted with Dax and was having an open conversation was the one that actually found help find the issue and get to the diagnosis that he wanted. Whereas he had just been visiting doctors here and there to deal with, you know, the siloed sort of issues he was dealing with and not getting the result he needed. Informal conversation, just chatting about what life is, got you know, got the diagnosis that was necessary. And that's a form of caring. You know, it's it's not just service delivery. Um, and, and that's the power. Yeah. Well, so many things about it. So when you mentioned that I listened to it and there were a couple of things that popped up and one that's relevant to lawyers. I mean, one thing I think we're taught as lawyers is answer the question that the client gives you, mm. you know, don't, don't sort of go digging and look for extra things and impose yourself where, you know, they're not asking. And I don't really agree with that, particularly the type of law that we do. I mean, listening to what they're saying, it, they don't know how to issue spot, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes like they could just, you could be having a conversation in the coffee room and, and be like, oh, that's interesting that you're doing that. That's the, I'm glad we talked about this. Have you thought about this? And mm -hmm. then you can help. But it's like you ask the question. And I've certainly worked with different um, styles over the years where there's very much a, a sort of, you ask me a question, I answer the question. I don't go deeper and try to like make sure things are, T's are crossed and I's are dotted. Um, and my style is definitely more sort of like, okay, let me make sure I have the whole picture here. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that that works better when you have a relationship and the client knows you're asking because you care, mm -hmm. right? Because I think if I didn't care, they might think I'm trying to, you know, take more like for financial gain or something like something unconnected to their needs. So anyway, I, I have found that to be a good strategy, but I certainly see people who don't have it. When I was listening to the AI medicine issue or podcast, I thought, you know, 
I have a doctor that I go in and she's mostly looking at a computer that has a history of me. And I always think about it. And I think like, this is so interesting because I'm right here. <laughs> like you could look at me, but it's, things are so complicated, right? Like we now are in this stage where what a general practitioner doctor is doing is sort of issue spotting for specialists in yeah. a way and yep. being sort of the hub of information. And when you start looking at the world through the lens of data, and I think my doctor is definitely very data focused, um, you know, it becomes something that could be automated. And then you think, well, not all of these doctors have good bedside manners. You know, mm -hmm. they're not all in that space. And I think it would be actually good for the profession if there were people who are more comfortable with data and they get to kind of be behind the scenes and work with data and then, and not just in an academic or a research context, but in, a, in an analytical diagnostic capacity. And then the people who really love interacting with patients and talking to them and doing that kind of thing, they're a different kind of doctor, you right. know, like, and they get different information than AI could pull. There's a uh, Boston University uh, MBA dissertation by this guy named Stephen B. Wolf, who uh, found that um, caring behaviors, like expressing concern over well-being, understanding another's perspective, speaking warmly, um, that all generates a sense of safety and trust um, that, that then develops positive impact on satisfaction and engagement and learning and better outcomes of a task. Um, and so th I think that the thing that we can benefit from and it will only do better for everybody is if we can build a relationship with a client that fosters a sense of safety and trust, especially mm. that means that we can get the information, the really like rich information that helps us get to a rich and better result. If we all stay top level with one another, then we're, you might transactionally get a thing done. Um, but it's not, it won't be as good as it otherwise could be if the client truly felt safe and trusted you and, and you had a deep, deeper sort of relationship with one another. Do you think most lawyers would agree with this? Or do you think this falls into the camp of, uh, sometimes lawyers are prone to thinking that this stuff is, is sort of a side issue, not a core issue? I, I suppose it, depends on your perspective. And I think it also depends on what where you're practicing. So I, I do think that some specialist lawyers might just take the, you know, when it, when an issue gets to them after it's, you know, gone through, let's say generalists, um, you know, they could just look at the facts and shoot out a memo giving advice. And maybe that maybe there is a, a you know, a great need and role for that. And, and there's potential there. And I think as well, for people that practice in more challenging areas, uh, emotionally, like criminal law or family law, I don't know. I, I'm sure that you do have to create a bit of a wall between yourself and the the matter and the client or else it could encompass you. So, you know, I know you said off the top, there's asterisks, asterisks on uh, generally what we're talking about, but I don't mm -hmm. think overall at a high level, I don't know how many people would argue against the idea that caring for your client is a bad idea. I think that where it gets messy is where the line is between caring for the client and caring for yourself as a lawyer. And I think that that's not an easy line sometimes mm -hmm. because 
Um, for example, I do a speech every year at the Law Society about um, engaging clients and choosing clients. And when I first started making the speech, people were like, what do you mean you don't take some clients? I'm like, I, I don't take them. I mean, if they're not a fit for me, they can find a better lawyer. And the right decision for me with my professional obligations is to make sure that they get the lawyer who can best defend their interests. That's a competence issue. That's also just an ethical issue. If I'm not going to want to hear from this person or interact with them, how can I be sure I'm giving them the absolute best level of service? Um, and when you consider it from that perspective, there really are quite a few decision points in, you know, you take on a client, can you give them the right level of service? You know, sometimes I think in criminal law, I mean, the thing that I was always worried about with criminal law was um, the first interaction with a client would be, you know, fine. It would be kind of strange to be on like the fifth interaction though, like the fifth uh, successful defense, for example, like the repeat client in criminal is a different thing than the repeat client in corporate. Um, and I think that there are some situations where it would be harder to um, care or exercise some of these things. So I don't know. I mean, in the commercial context, I think what we're saying is um, pretty generalizable. And I, I would be interested maybe in a future podcast to deal, to talk about it with some more um, dealing with like family or criminal. I would, I, we should talk about that with someone who does that because I think it would be interesting and maybe helpful to other people. Mm -hmm. You know, they're in way worse situations. Like when you're, we're generally not dealing with people who are at their worst low point of their life. Like that's not our day. <laughs> um, like, because we don't litigate, you know, yeah. um, there's so many, you know, when it gets really bad, it's not, that would not be in my wheelhouse, I think, in any sense. Um, so I think we are lucky to deal with people when they're creating and when they're growing and, you know, mm -hmm. when they're signing their first major contract, like that's all really exciting stuff. Yeah. And you don't really lose yourself in that. I do, I do think that for lawyers who are in these really high touch very, um, you know, dealing with people's, I talk about, you know, being aware of what my client's family situations are, but, you know, I'm not deeply involved in something horrible happening with their spouse or like, that's mm -hmm. not my practice area. Um, and I think that for lawyers who do that, one of my asterisks would be, that's something to really deal with and be aware of and be very, you know, get help for that. You know, get help learning yeah. how to set boundaries. Be very candid that like, look, I'm a I'm a psychiatrist slash lawyer slash counselor slash friend to a bunch of people who they don't have good boundary setting. And if I don't have good boundary setting skills, I'm going to suffer in that relationship. Mm -hmm. And I've seen this with friends that have, you know, very caring hearts and want to be in good for the world type of law, but find it just too difficult to be faced with the actual situations. And Bob Ray talked about this on our, yeah. on our podcast, but talking about just finding a way to be able to be your best self and still care about your clients and still deliver great service. Um, that's really important for all of us. And I think the more that you're directly engaged with people's real personal problems, I, I would think that's got to be, you know, 10% of your time working on trying to be able to do that effectively and without compromising yourself. Your, your your point is quite great in that oftentimes people think about caring, um, you know, being really kind of taking on another person's issues. This mm -hmm. phrase I found when I'm researching that I really like is is sharing your humanity, which <laughs> might sound a bit mm -hmm. hoity, whatever, woo-woo. But um, I think that can be the goal 
And and that is maybe what gets you the advantages that we've been discussing about. It's something that as well, I've heard like um, actors and others uh, discuss about what makes them actually quite good at connecting with people, you know, through film or even like when a cop pulls them over is is actually just kind of being able to look at somebody and being like, aren't we just two people in this funny scenario together? Like mm-hmm. to to cut through, you know, what seems to be in front of us and actually, you know, still understand that we are two folks having an interaction. Why don't we make this the best we can while we also work through the project that we're on or, you know, the ticket I'm about to get into uh, <laughs> a couple of stories I've heard. So and I think that can be the goal instead of... Uh, necessarily caring and maybe you go too far uh with that there it's, it's hard to understand but at minimum we can just try to just share who we are and and partner up with these people that we're working with and uh and understand that this is a part of the life that we're living i just think you know on this podcast in the blog everywhere that we are publicly sharing opinions there's no one answer i think that what we're always trying to do is just like just ask the question you know, for you as a lawyer, like, it's not just, it's not Darlene's way or Mike's way or whatever. It's just like, we're trying to say, okay, well, what does it mean to be caring? And I think that that answer is not necessarily the same for everyone. It's certainly not the same per practice area as we've talked about. And then on top of that, there is probably a way that each of us has to learn to defend our boundaries and, and be caring in a way that works for us. So I don't know. I think we'll, that's, that's the disclaimer. <laughs> not the asterisk. That's like, yeah, maybe you're every, all about it today. Yeah, you're maybe. being very lawyerly. I know. We start off talking your... assets and liabilities. I put in some asterisks and at the end, there's you're, a disclaimer. You're, yeah, I feel like you're like putting fine print into a podcast. I know. I know. <laughs> well, I was, I was sparked to do this because I listened to this podcast by Elizabeth Gilbert earlier this week, which could be uh, something that we, talk about on a subsequent episode of this show. But um, she's the author of Eat, Pray, Love and has gone around the world for years sort of talking about find your passion and make sure that you, you know, do everything you can to figure out what your passion is. And, um, and she effectively did this talk where she kind of apologized for her years of speaking on that topic, because she realized that not everyone has that and not everyone approaches the world like that. And some people have a very meandering path that teaches them where they need to end up. And I would certainly put myself in that latter category. So anyway, I thought it was really great that she just said, you know, anyone who's speaking publicly is really just talking about what they've learned so far. And hopefully that spurs other people to learn what they need to learn, but without just always assuming that someone else has the answers. Because I don't think, you know, we obviously don't pretend to have the answers. <laughs> I, mean, I think it should be also clear from listening that we don't have the answers. Um, but asking the question and hearing people who think differently, that's its own thing. And that's what we're trying to do, I think. So I don't know. I guess I felt that that podcast led to a lawyerly disclaimer on, on ours, if that makes sense. I will gladly accept that disclaimer. <laughs> We could maybe put it in the show notes. Anyway. I'll do the thing at the end. We're like, this show is not brought to you by people who don't know what they're doing. And there's no way. <laughs> do not take this as Should legal advice. That? This is not yeah. legal advice to clients. Yeah, I always laugh yeah. when I see those uh, tweets are not legal advice and stuff. And then I look at my tweets. I'm like, I'm fairly confident that this does not. <laughs> no one would confuse this yeah. for legal advice. Anyway. Yeah. Well, this is good. Cool. Thanks for uh, suggesting that we t- cover this topic. My pleasure. Okay.
Uh, we'll go to an ad. We'll come back with our goods and grapes. The Lawyer Life Podcast is brought to you by Inter Alia Law, experienced legal counsel when and where you need us. To learn more about Inter Alia, visit the website at spelled I-N-T-E-R-A-L-I-A-Law.com. Thank you. And we are back with our goods and gripes. Goods are things we want to promote and support. Gripes are things that annoy us. Darlene. I have a gripe and a good. And it's a legit gripe and sort of lawyerly. Um, I was in old Montreal this weekend. So for our long weekend, we packed up our two children under the age of five and drove for seven hours one way and seven hours the other way, which sounds like insanity. Mon Dieu is right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was fun. But the one, the grapes that I would have, I love, love Montreal. I truly love it. And we had a great trip. But the one thing I noticed is that in Ontario, we have all these laws about accessibility. So you, it has become very, very, very normal in Ontario for me to expect the, you know, the door that, the button that opens the door, the ramp for all the stairs, like you really don't encounter anymore very many situations. I mean, I'm sure someone with a seeing eye dog or a wheelchair would disagree. But as a, as a mom with a stroller for the past few years, I have become pretty aware of what it can be like to navigate the world with this, with a, with challenges basically. And Ontario does a fairly adequate job because of our laws. And in old Montreal, the buildings are from the 1600s. So this may not apply in other parts of Montreal, but I definitely noticed it that there were no options. Like we had a walk up loft that we had rented and no elevator. (laughs) So we carried the stroller up those stairs like a lot this weekend, no ramps, um, really everything was really narrow and i just thought man like to have a wheelchair like i guess you just don't come to old montreal like it's just not possible maybe i don't know how people do it so that was my gripe and it's a relatively minor gripe but i think it would be interesting to know what what they're going to do about that in the future to make it a bit more accessible and then do you want to do a gripe or should i go to my good no you go good So we had our team meeting with Interalia this week, and I will just say that I was so heartened to sit around the table with with the team, and I realized that when I was sort of setting out to start a law firm, and I was thinking, you know, I want to build the type of place that I want to work, I really felt just so happy about our our gathering, and the good was that, you know, we we spent 20 minutes talking about figure skating. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and there were follow-up emails about it too. Yeah, (laughs) It was quite awesome. You know, the unexpected things about being part of a team. I did not know that. I did not know that I would be questioned on my my youthful figure skating uh, Mm -hmm. endeavors. So anyway, that was really fun. And it was really good to have that in the week. So we got deep. We were were questioning you about how your formative time being a figure skater informs who you are today. Right. It was a. Uh, it was quite it was deep, good. and then I had to. I was sort of thinking about uh, some of the things that you really don't notice. Again, sort of in this vein of, you just do things when you're young without thinking of the broader um, purpose. Maybe that's not true anymore. 
as per our millennial episode with Roselle. Maybe the everyone now would be considering their future and monitoring their brand and stuff. But at the time, <laughs> it was just figure skating and just doing it for fun, really. So anyway, for another day. How about you? Well, actually, so speaking of youth and sports, my good is that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to play his first Major League Baseball game tonight for the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, maybe will be the best Blue Jay of all time. He is, I think he's not even 20 uh, years old, uh, but he has been uh, touted as like the best baseball player that isn't in the major leagues for a while. And the reason why he's only starting now is because of a term in the collective bargaining agreement between the players and the league. Uh, basically, the team is leveraging uh, a term in, the, in, that, in that agreement to uh, have him on contract for an extra year. Um, by bringing him up now instead of at the beginning of the season. So I've been fascinated by this the whole thing, but he is an amazing baseball talent. And this could be an important day in Blue Jays history. And I love my Blue Jays. So my good is that he is now playing for the for the big league team. And that's very exciting. Well, and the other good is I Googled it while you were talking and I see that the headline is Vlad to the bone. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate that. Oh, I'm so satisfied yeah. by that. Yeah, that's good. Vlad to the bone. Hmm. Okay, that's Not a good. Vlad. What's a grape? Uh, my I don't have a good grape. I'm I'm having a struggle with my my uh, grass in my backyard. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> I can and... I can feel that you're really nesting over there. You're really like fixing oh, the lights, yes. putting up light fixtures, yes. getting the grass yeah. ready. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Maybe. But I have I've done some research. I've planted for all you gardeners out there. I've planted uh, uh, white Dutch clover, which is a grass alternative, which apparently uses less water, needs to be cut less, and grows more easily. So I will update everybody on how that's going. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, that's good. I guess the other thing we should do a little bit of uh, housekeeping that about the schedule yeah. for the Lawyer Life podcast. Do you want to talk about that? We uh, so we're gonna go. To, we're gonna move to biweekly. Uh, so instead of posting one every Friday, we will post every other Friday. Okay. Well, we'll talk in uh, in a couple of weeks then. Okay. Cool. Uh, we will talk then. Talk then. <laughs> talk soon. That's it for this week's episode of LLP. Thanks to Interalia Law for presenting the podcast, and to Nick Fowler for composing and performing our music. See our show notes for his website. Don't forget, we love feedback. Please comment in the review section or subscribe or like. We'd appreciate it greatly. That's it. Talk soon. This show is not brought to you by the people who don't know what they're doing. And there's no way. (laughs) Should I do that? Do not take this as legal advice. This is not legal advice.